0: to Rebecca Sounds revely. This episode is super exciting because I have someone with me today who is not only a close friend of mine but has been on the show before. You may already know who he is though just by looking at him because he's been in a number of different um, films but I will tell you he's got a long history in entertainment. In fact um, he started modeling at the age of 21 and he not only did the modeling, but he started doing acting. He even took acting and comedy classes at the world famous at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City. Many have compared him to Jerry Seinfeld. You're gonna find out his sense of humor as we talk, I'm sure, but his work has included uh, being a lead model for the New York City Historical Building Society. Um, he's done the Gatorade commercial He's done number, a number of roles as officers in different things. anywhere from officer to detective, We'll let him share a little bit more about that. And he's got a sharp tongue and quick wit. so just wait for you uh, to see him and for those of you listening by um, the podcast or on audio in other areas you're going to hear. You're going to hear him, so I'm going to welcome to the show my good friend, Alan Gitlin. Welcome.
1: Hello, Rebecca. How are you, there It's the G. My nickname is the G-Man. He is the G-Man. Uh, he is the G-Man. Which G- is a stage name I use, and that's a tribute to my dad who died on the morning of 9-11, not in 9-11. And I think you know the story, but I'll reiterate to some of the other people who may not know it uh my dad was in the hospital for three or four days i was very super super close to him and uh yes
0: one quick one quick thing we've got to have you move your hand away a little bit uh there we go gotcha I got you back now all right okay your dad yeah
1: yeah
0: you were you were sharing a little bit about your dad
1: Yes, hold on a second. I got something interrupted me here. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so my dad was in the hospital for three days and passed away three o'clock in the morning. And um, my best friend who was like, he was like an uncle to him. He was super, super close to him also. He's a very religious Jewish guy who goes to synagogue um, in the morning to pray and at night after work to pray. And he went to pray that morning, not knowing that he was dead already. Um, and a gentleman who was praying with him said, could you stay an extra couple of minutes? Because I know you're going to New York on the train. I need a ride to the train. And he said, yeah, I'm saying an extra prayer for my uncle. I'm going to stay a little extra. I will take you to the train. He did not know my dad was dead. He stayed an extra 15 minutes. They were the first train not allowed to go into New York from where I live, which is about 40 minutes outside of New York City. And he worked in Tower One. And he would have been dead, probably, or under the World Trade Center, one or two. I don't know. So actually, my dad dying, and I'm very proud of this, saved his life. Uh It's a really cool story, and I tell it often. And I was just with my best friend today, actually. And we discussed it again today, actually, um, how much... How close we are, and how we've become close again after a lot of years, and how close he was with my dad, and how I'm very proud that my dad kind of saved his life in a way. Yeah. I am. It's really a good story and touching story. And our families, it is. And our families have been intertwined for 56 years through deaths and weddings and all that, and divorces. And uh, we've never had a fight. Him and his brother, and we have a third friend that lives about 40, about an hour away from me. And all three of us, our parents were friends, and uh, we're still friends all these years. And that's pretty cool, really. It was. is
0: pretty cool. I mean, yeah. there's so many <clears throat> disconnects now that you don't hear very often of families that have remained really close and intertwined, as you said. Um, yeah. years and years and years we have yeah. this disconnect now where we don't even talk to
1: our neighbor well we don't call it to our brothers or sisters like if we can help it <laughs> i know my sister sometimes if i don't call her she doesn't call me she's only in florida so it's not a big deal but that's okay it is what it is you know uh it's funny because the three of us it's him and his brother another guy and they lived across the street from each other and my friends were better friends with both of them than they were with each other and I'm the same way. I'm the one my parents were the glue that kept them everybody together and I'm the glue that keeps everybody together. Kind of kind of weird. Kind I of think
0: funny. It's neat. I, I think yeah. it's it's pretty amazing too. But through the through the years, you've done a lot of different things, but acting yeah. and comedy is right.
1: Yes. yes. Is,
0: I mean, that is your
1: yes. Your I, I, love. I'm an I'm an extra extraordinaire is what I call myself. Um, I've done a lot of, I've done a, I did a thing with um, Joan London, who I thought it was a sweet, sweet lady and very pretty. And she is so cool. It's one of the first things I ever did in the acting business. I did a commercial with her and Bob Smith called, uh, they were making a show on investigative reporter. And it was one of the first things I did. I didn't get paid for it because I wanted to get it on my resume and they did one take about 40 or 50 times, and I thought this was so cool. Joan London stands up, and she says, you know, us, us professionals think you you extras are great. I just thought that was so cool that, that she would <laughs> that she would stand up and do that, you know? It was really cool, and she's a very nice lady, very pretty lady, actually, very pretty. Um, I've been in an extra and a bounty hunter with Jennifer Aniston and Bradley Cooper, a small little bit part. If you blink, you miss me, but I got paid. Um, um I was in that XFL commercial 20 years ago that was shown locally here in New York for I don't know, like three, four months with the XFL and um Stacker 2 and WWE, and that's a very funny story. Um they wanted guys over six feet, and I'm like six two and I weighed about at the time about two forty. Now I'm down to like two fifteen. Um and um they drove twelve of us about an hour away from New York City to Rockland County, New York. Okay. and we got there and they had a 35 page waiver from Vince McMahon his lawyer had made up that we couldn't sue them if we got hurt and I being a smart ass said to the guy what happens if you don't sign this and he said well if you don't sign it you're going back to New York City and you're not going to be in the commercial and the commercial paid $2,000 so we all signed it well yeah but you needed a lawyer to understand this thing because it was 35 pages of mumbo jumbo attorney stuff you know
0: that's, which a, nobody that's really a lot did.
1: of pages. Yeah, which really nobody understood. But Vince McMahon didn't want to get sued. And so we did this commercial for the XFL. And the, the XFL cheerleaders were there and cheerleader out. They were freezing their butts off because it was like in the, November, December. And they had cheerleader outfits on. They were freezing their butts off. And this is how long ba- ago it was. It was, one of, one of, it was like the second thing I did uh, when I got back into acting. And um, they ran out of film wasn't digital they ran out of okay. film actual film and they had to go back into New York City <laughs> to get film you know that's how far back it goes like 200 it was like 2000 and 2001 maybe I don't know something like that about 19 20 years ago something like that but they showed it on um, Channel 9 here which is one of the local stations like I can't tell you how many times it was on uh-huh. and we went and we waited 10 months to get paid because Vince McMahon didn't want to sign off on the checks he likes taking money in, he don't like giving it out. So
0: there you but go. It's
1: kind, of, it kind of funny that wavered old thing. I never forgot that. You know, and I asked asked the guy, you know, what happens if you don't sign it? He goes, Well, we just bring it right back to New York and you're not in the commercial.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're gonna it's a no-brainer, you're gonna sign it and just kind of right. you've done a lot of things. I've seen you in some recent uh...
1: Yeah. There's um, a video out, music video out. I'm sure if a young person has listened to this, a little TJ who just got arrested the other day for gun possession, which I think was a plant, maybe. Um, he signed with Columbia Records. He was in juvenile detention at 16. Uh, he wrote 75 songs while he was in... juvenile.
0: 75. Oh, my. I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, rapping songs. He came out. Somebody heard him. Put him on Spotify. Columbia Records. Somebody heard him. He signed with Columbia Records. They... They're pushing they were pushing the hell out of them. I was in a music video called FNN and the reason why it's called FNN is because he says a nasty word in it and they couldn't put what it was on the CD. <laughs> but explicit lyrics. Them.
0: Huh? Explicit lyrics.
1: Yes, yeah, very and the kids love it. Although I think the song's terrible, what do I know? But it got a million and a, it's got 1.5 million hits on Spotify and 1.8 million hits on YouTube in the last year and a half.
0: That's quite a bit. That's a lot. I mean, so tell the audience what you
1: were doing in the video. I play a judge, and I'm in the last minute and a half, and as wacky as I am, and of course I can't keep my mouth shut a lot, so during the video he was sitting in the witness box, and I was on the bench uh, on the the judge's bench, and I said, hey, little TJ, you're talking to everybody but the judge, man. So he started laughing. Man, you're freaking cool. You're nuts, man. (laughs) So (laughs) Uh, I got paid like $200 for that day, but I didn't care. It was, I just had fun with, it. I have fun with everything I do. I've been in a lot of independent movies. I've been in a couple of major commercials. Um, last year I was in the commercial for AT&T, which is on their website for a new phone they took out that they made, um, for delivery men and construction workers. And I play one of the delivery guys and, uh, I can't complain cause I got $300 for one hour that day. Yeah. So, well, you stay
0: pretty busy. I mean, you're, you're on the move with a lot of things and it's pretty exciting when this yeah. comes to um, fruition and you actually get to see you're like hey uh, check out this and I'm like oh my yeah. gosh, and, you, there know, you are surprised.
1: You know COVID has kind of um, been challenging because there's not a lot going on and I was in the middle of putting together a comedy act with a black guy it was a two-man team. He was going to be Ron White, and I was going to be... I mean, he was going to be Frank White, and I was going to be Willie Black. And it was going to be a banter between us, of how Black and Whites look at things differently. Of course, before Black Lives Matters and all this other crap went on, and we actually had a guy who's going to get his booked in a lounge in Atlantic City, um, who I became friends with. And uh, he loves my humor, because I wrote all the bits. And... Um, He's in Roanoke, Virginia right now, but if he comes up to Atlantic City, which he usually spends six months out of the year, but he hasn't been here since COVID, we, uh, him and I may put an act together because he loves the way I think and loves my humor. And my partner who lives about a hundred miles away from me has kind of stepped away from this whole project. No big deal. It's my idea anyway, so. You know. Yeah, you know,
0: this is gonna be really exciting when it the, the issues with COVID, kind of uh, subside. A lot of actors are experiencing so many challenges with yeah, requirements to film.
1: Correct. I, I had three films that were canceled that I had parts in. One was a major part. Um, the girl was going for her master's at in film adaptation at Columbia University, and it got canceled because of COVID. I had a major part in it. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I wrote a script also that I A friend of mine in Chicago who you know now, Andre Boyd,
0: Yes, uh,
1: yes, yes. who I I became friends with, and I've introduced him to you and a few other people, um, a few other other friends that do podcasts and stuff. Um, I wrote a script with another gentleman who since has also stepped away from it, um, and Andre has his own studio, (coughs) and um, I wrote a script about a guy, a detective, who is living now that wants to... Lived back in the 80s before technology took over, and he's a cross between Columbo and James Bond, and he's Columbo because he figures stuff out with his gut, and he's James Bond because he's betting everything in sight, including the secretary. Uh oh. Yeah, he lives with his he lives with his childhood sweetheart. He lives in the same house he grew up in. Drives the first car we ever owned. Doesn't have a cell phone. Doesn't have a computer. Um, has a beeper. Carries a beeper, and when his beeper goes off, he, yeah.
0: That's still functionable I mean they yes. still have services yes. that actually yes. provide the um, oh you know I found my pager uh not yeah. too long ago and it was just with the recollection of. Um, I mean you felt so important to have a pager
1: yeah right yeah
0: you know that yeah. was a big deal to have a pager and I don't see how we read what we read on there because it's so small.
1: Oh, right, <laughs> right. So, he and part and part of the episodes, what he does is, because he doesn't have a cell phone, when he sees somebody with one, he says, "Hold on, can I use your cell phone?" He calls somebody, but he has to call him three, four times because they think it's a robocall. Oh right, because, right, right. Because if you were using my <laughs> phone, your 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 father, your brother, your uncle, or somebody you know isn't going to answer. They don't know who I am.
0: That's right. Right. I mean, that's your right.
1: family might know who I am, but other people wouldn't, you know, but so he has to call three, four times before they actually answer the phone. So that's, that's really he, he wants to live back in the 80s before technology took over. He thinks that's a simpler life. He doesn't like all the hustle and bustle of now, the technology of now, and, and just doesn't want to be, um, even though it's 2020, he wants to live like it's in the 80s. So there's a whole backstory about him and his girlfriend and his best friend. And he was a cop at one time, his partner, and there's a whole backstory about all five of them and how they got to where they are now. Um, uh-huh. And it's uh, and I came up with the whole idea; it's all my idea. And somebody asked me how I came up with it, and I said, "Well, you know, I watch a lot of CSI and Law and Order and Chicago PD and uh, CSI Miami and all that. I just and they all figured out. Well, except from Chicago PD, I got to say." They mostly all figure it out with um, technology. And here's a guy who wants to figure it out the old-fashioned way. He's got an office with his name on the front door, like in the Humphrey Bogart movie. And his secretary has a desk and a couch, and he's got a desk and a couch in his office and a phone. And he's got an answering machine. The only problem is when a secretary's not there, he doesn't know the code to get into the answering machine.
0: (laughs) Oh, you know, and... um... I saw not too long ago an, an older answering machine and it was yeah. really close to one that I had and I just I remembered that and rewinding it, having to play right. the tape cassette back and right. you're hoping Correct. that the tape you know the, the tape right. doesn't get all jumbled up or you're gonna miss your messages. <laughs> so.
1: And because he doesn't have a cell phone, he's got an instamatic camera. You took the picture, you know, took the picture, and you had to wait a couple seconds for it to develop, like
0: a Polaroid,
1: right? Polaroid, instamatic. But he has a whole closet full of film because they stopped making the film like five years ago. Oh, he he like like
0: stocked up on this stuff
1: because he knew he might not be able to get it (laughs) down the road. Oh,
0: my goodness, do they still make flash bulbs for the
1: 110s? I don't even know anymore. I don't know. Does anybody really have a, a camera like that anymore? I mean. Anybody that has a real anybody who's into the into photography has some kind of digital camera most likely now, you know. Well, okay,
0: that's true. But you know, for example, I I have a digital camera, and I was shopping for something, some lenses, and anyway, it's a it's a story. So I went in to. It took me forever to find an actual camera store. Right. Right. You could go in. Yeah. And, and so I found a camera store and they had everything that you can think of there from way back till now. Right. Cool. But there was somebody that had came in and mm. was a student and they right. were purchasing older film, an older film camera because of whatever the project was, I guess.
1: Mm. Right.
0: You have to learn the basics about. Right. Photography. Right. So how. How better to understand it than by using an old school camera? So I will say, though, I have to give him some credit because wanting to live a simpler life in the era that we live in right now is actually great. I mean, because we do have a lot of technology does bring about a lot of added stress that maybe you don't need, but you've got to know when to shut it down or how to. Well,
1: you know, times were different. It was more innocent time. Um, we were hidden from certain things. You know, like, this is a funny story. At 13, I stole my father's Playboy. And a bunch of us were watching it, you know, looking at it in in the bushes. And my mother caught us. And I got my ass kicked for that. Uh-huh. Um, at 13 now, that's like nothing. Come on. Playboy is yeah. nothing now. No, you
0: now that is true. I mean, there that is true. The age has a lot younger at what they're being exposed to. And the oh, stuff
1: because there's, the internet, the internet and cable, there's no innocence anymore. Everything- okay.
0: You're bringing back another memory because when HBO and Showtime first came out. Right. You know, that was on regular television, on antenna TV. Right. And right. so you could, not the antenna TV that's broadcasting old movies, yeah. actual. Mm. Right. TV and so you could change the channels, but what was happening was those two channels would have a, a line through it, yeah, this green line through it, right? And so, you know, if you were younger and you wanted to know what was going on, you're kind of looking, right? You're trying right. to go, like, okay, <laughs> you're hoping that you can find out what this is, what's going on, and then MTV hit.
1: Well, I tell a story, yeah. this is true. Um, I've been divorced 25 years from my first wife. I was married twice, um, but my son was a big Steven Seagal fan, and about he was must have been about nine or ten. I don't even know how old he was, and he said, "Dad, would you do me a favor? Would you take me to see Under Siege?" So if you ever saw that movie, Erica Alancha, who was a Playboy Bunny at one point um, and was in the centerfold, who's got a set of 38 double Ds, uh, she jumps out of a cake. Topless. Now, oh. I had no idea. I had no idea this was going to happen.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And he elbows me and he says, hey, Dad, she got some big set, huh? Oh, boy. I, I had no ready for idea. That. Yeah. I, I had no idea what to say because he was right, but where would you get this from? At right, 19 right. 10 years old, I didn't know, you know. Not that, of course, you know, I was like, it was the more naive time, but where did you see this at? Well, you didn't see it in my house, that's for sure
0: yeah kids learn a lot from each other
1: he must have been at somebody's house and they must have had something on and i don't know (laughs) i was shocked though believe me i was totally shocked
0: i I can imagine so tell me what you've got going on now because you're working on some projects aside from what you're waiting on with your duo the comedy duo
1: the combo duo i'm waiting to do that. i'm waiting to do that a trailer with andre boyd in chicago we have the actors in place well, COVID stopped everything and deadens tracks. I'm also um, working with a guy it has been, we've been in the process for about a year, uh, working on a serious radio show. He picks to Sirius serious radio and it's uh, about relationships and what we go through and how we can deal with them. And um, it's been trying to be put together for about a year now. And he wants me to be the co-host because I've been on and offline dating for, I'm divorced now for my second wife, 13 years. So I would say at least 13 years.
0: Uh-huh. Well, you've got some stories with that. And you've done relationship oh, yeah. shows before.
1: Yep. I've been, I've, I've had some interesting dating stories and um, I also, you know, drive for Lyft before COVID. And I have some interesting Lyft stories also. Um, a man of many stories. <laughs> um, so I have that going on. That's good though. And I also have a guy who's putting together a new wrestling alliance because he believes WWE is not what it used to be. And AEW and NXT are very good, which is owned by WWE. But he wants to put together another um, small independent wrestling association. He wants me to be the color commentator because of my comedy stuff and things I'll say in, in the process. So hopefully that'll come together hopefully in May. Maybe it was supposed to come now, but COVID obviously held everything up so um, that yeah. would be the Phoenix, Phoenix Wrestling Alliance is what it's called going to be called. So
0: This is exciting and um what do you've got on your website for people to connect
1: with You can with go you? to you can go to www.theg-man.net and see all the stuff I've done. I got videos, I got I've been on many many podcasts as a as a guest. At one point I had a little podcast on my own with another gentleman unfortunately it didn't work out. Yes, um, but I've been many, many times a guest on uh, the Mike Wagner show. I've been on your show. Um, I've been on a show in Boston, in Montreal, in Buffalo, New York. Um, show in L.A. A podcast. Um, somebody in Florida, I believe. I've been. I've done many, many videos, and I have a friend of mine, Stefan Sedoni, who has a small little. Um, studio in his house. I've been. He's interviewed me three or four times. There's a lot of stories out there. Uh, we we get along really well. He's a great interviewer, and uh, we always have a lot of fun on his podcast that he has out. He's got his own video channel. Um, if you look at my website, you'll you'll see links, or if you look at my name, Alan Alan Eskitlen, you'll see all my videos and my podcast stuff, and some of the little movies that I've done. Um, I've just done a lot of things, that I have, and I have I've I have had fun with everything I do because it's not a, it's not a job to me it's um, just fun I, I tell I'm not a youngster um, Rebecca knows how old I am I won't say how old I am but uh, <laughs> um, I meet young people on the set and I give out business cards to everybody I have business cards and I talk to everybody and I tell them listen you know the the dream of you being a star it's a very nice dream to have and don't let anybody take that dream from you. But reality, there's 9,000 actors and 8,000 are starving. And I say, have some fun. Make a little money. You never know who you meet along the way. Rebecca and I have become friends. I've introduced her to some of my friends. She's introduced me to some of her friends. Um, Andre Board I met online. Um, the guy who got me involved with this comedy act, I met him online. Um, You got to, you got to network, 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 network,
0: network. 100%. I think that that's something really important to share with the audience. Networking is crucial to anything that you're doing, no matter what business it is that you want to go into, or even just as a hobby or just growing your professional or personal circles. Networking is just key to it. And I'm just really excited that you are doing all the things that you're doing and you took a few minutes out to spend some time with us today. Um, I appreciate you so much in so many ways.
1: I know that, babe. and I enjoy, you know me, you could see how I enjoy this even, and, and we've become good friends over the, over the last couple of years. I know and it. We've, we've shared stories and we've some personal, some private, uh, but you've introduced me to some people and I've introduced you to some people, and that's what we both do. And that's why I think we get along so well. And, you know, I was an outside salesman, like I said, um, and it wasn't all about the sale to me. It was about building relationships, because if you build relationships, you're going to get the sale.
0: That's it. That's exactly right. And then I'm going to leave it on that note, because that's really important. So if you'll say that again, and that's going to take us out.
1: Okay. Um, If you build relationships, instead of just not all about the sale, you will get the sale. But salesmen have are too busy usually talking and not listening. So if if you can help somebody out, even on the outside of the business, let's say they're into cars or you know, they're into motorcycles or photography and you know somebody that's involved in that and you can get them involved with them, then the guy trusts you because you have something in common with him.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Or her, or her, whatever, whoever, you know.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Alan.
1: All right, Rebecca. Pleasure being on. Anytime.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I just love it. And um, again, I'm just so appreciative of you Uh, all the time. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of Rebecca Sounds Reveille. We ask that you connect with Alan on all the social media. Check out his website. Check out his shows, the things that he's done and where he's going. Because you're going to have a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. And you never know if you connect with him, what kind of circle is going to be brought about from that and how much it's going to grow. So definitely make your connections with him and um, uh, share the show with everybody that you know across social media, uh, everybody that you know that's not on social media, get them involved to Like, subscribe, do all those things and share it with even those that you don't know. Thanks for tuning in. Oh.